Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. Now, here is a motion picture film. Showtime! To do the bimes. Say hello to my little friend! Go ahead. Make my day. Come quietly or there will be trouble. I'll shove that bat up your ass and turn you into a popsicle. Inconceivable! Welcome to the All-American Spook Show Podcast. I'm sorry, boys. I'm afraid I can't do that. I'm afraid I can do this. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the All American Spook Show podcast. I'm Josh. I'm joined here with Donnie. Yo. Will. Hey, hey. And the Professor Smoke. Ready to turn it up to 11. And break off the knob. <laughs> Hopefully we don't get lost in a corridor. Just screaming, rock and roll! Because <laughs> we're here to talk about our latest cult corner selection. This is Spinal Tap from 1984. Now the way we came to this conclusion, of, you know, this is what we were watching, is we all four nominated a movie, we stuck it on a wheel, and we spun it, and we eliminated each movie, and it landed on the final one that was left was This is Spinal Tap. So this was uh, my selection, actually, one the wheel spin. So a rare win for me. It's usually Donnie winning these yeah. wheel spins. Not really. Historically. I don't know about that. I don't know. Well, I mean, Crafter Piece before, you know, it's mainly the Crafter Piece. Like, well, one of these days, I'll tell you what, we'll do the math and we'll figure out how many <laughs> wheel spins we've all won. Turns out it's probably Will and just for some reason we have it stuck in our head that Donnie wins them all. It's like when they always say it rains in Seattle nonstop, but in reality it doesn't rain that much there, you know, as opposed to other places, but it's just, it's just got a reputation. Maybe that's what it is. Who knows? But anyways, I see easily one of the uh, better comedies of the eighties for sure, at least of the early eighties. Right. And, and that's, and even just saying that is pretty high praise because the eighties was chock full of great comedies. A lot of which obviously we haven't really got to talk about here on the spook show because our main focus is horror. And even in our cult corner selections, really it's mostly been stuff like Goodfellas and fight club Right. So like we haven't had a lot of chance to get to just some we've had a few, but not a lot of just pure comedies that we all know and love. And I think this is this is one here. So I'm glad we uh, fate landed us here, if nothing else. Uh, But before we get into it and go through some of the background and all that mess, we want to remind you to go to aaspookshow.com. From there, you can go check out our podcast archives, which is, you know, 177 past episodes deep. Um, Yeah, it's a lot. And, you know, like we've said before, you don't have to listen to them in order. You can just pick some of your favorite movies and just listen to those. Like, cause we've got mm-hmm. tons there. I don't know if I would recommend Emmanuel four or say the last <laughs> few Hellraiser movies that we've watched or anything. And there's some other turds, right? Home sweet home comes to mind, but I don't necessarily recommend those, but the episodes that we did on them, classics, some great episodes. So there's that. Um, we also from a spookshow.com. You can also go to our Patreon patreon.com slash a spook show where every month we have video mini shows, including the library of the professor crapster piece theater 
the beloved by others, but, you know, hated by us series that we do every month over there on Patreon. We also, you, you, from aaspookshow.com, you can also go to our YouTube page where we have lots of cool stuff every week, every month for you over there. Stuff you can't get, you know, listen to here on the, on the podcast proper. We do completely other series, video series over there on our YouTube. So we encourage you to go check that, check those out. So without any further buildup, we'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for This is Spinal Tap. Hi, I'm Rob Reiner. I've just directed my first feature film for Embassy Pictures. It's called Spinal Tap. It's a comedy about a British rock and roll band. I'd love to show you a clip, but as you can see, we're still editing here. I know I should show you something, uh, and I found this piece of film lying around the editing room. It's not from my picture, but I think you'll find it interesting and quite informative. The call of the Alpenhorn echoes across the Danskin Peninsula, part of Denmark's cheese belt. Signaling to all those with nothing better to do, the start of Scandinavia's happiest tradition, the Chilgenkjörst, or Cheese Festival, or Jorgenvelk. Cross-country cheese rolling, requiring years of experience to handle these 100-pound wheels of Edom. The four-century history of this challenging spectacle has seen only one serious accident, when a spectator was fatally crushed by a runaway Gouda. There are displays of amazing artistic skill, like cheese blowing. And just for laughs, an answer to the age-old question, are you putting cheese in your pants, or are you just glad to see me? The winner! And as the jubilant day fades into another suicide-filled Scandinavian evening, the festival goers crown the king and queen, truly the royalty of cheese. Now, you understand, my film is nothing like this. My film is a comedy. It's about rock and roll. There's no cheese. Well, you'll see for yourself. What do you think? Maybe I shouldn't have shown him the cheese thing. Don't worry about it. You can always cut the cheese. Right. All right, there you go. That's the trailer for that. So, Will, had you ever sat down and watched this before? Uh, this is one of those movies where, no, I'd never sit down and watch the entire movie, but I've seen bits and pieces of this, like, so many times. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely one of those movies where it's probably probably been clipped a lot, you know, where you'll see them saying rock and roll and wandering through the halls and the, the amps turn them up to 11. All, some of the other popular things you might've seen that before, even if you haven't seen the entire movie. Right. So I, I could definitely see that. I've seen it a time or two myself, although it's been a long time, uh, man, it might, it might be 20 years since I've sat down and watched this movie. It's been quite some time, but Donnie, what about you? I was in college when I first watched it. That's a good, I'd say that's a good age for something like this. You know what I mean? Cause like yeah. if, if you're any younger than that, you might not catch on, catch a lot of the comedy. Mm-hmm. And obviously if you're older, you know, you can appreciate it as well. But I think like those college years are probably like the perfect age to check out a movie like this for sure. Smoke, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I, I saw it sometime back in the eighties, but it wasn't back when it came out or anything. It was probably on the later end of the eighties. And other than that, really, I, I think like Will was saying, I've seen bits and pieces of it along and along over the years, but I really, I think this is only the second time that I've sat and watched it beginning to end. So you, we've got varying degrees of, and angles that we're coming from here with this, you know, as far as our viewing experiences and whatnot. Um, so it should be interesting to see what our final ratings are once we get to that towards the end. And of course, we'll we'll do a lot some of the usual information that we do at that point too. And also, if you've never listened to us, we are a spoiler-filled podcast. So if you have not seen this, a Spinal Tap, you probably want to go ahead and hit pause now. Go check it out. Various methods to check that out. Not as many online, but you can get it online. 
rent it, buy it, whatever. Go check it out and then come back and listen to the rest of this because we don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it. Some of the background information I've got here, I've got a few titles. Of course, some people just refer to it as Spinal Tap. You know, not mm-hmm. the full title, it's yeah. just it's Spinal Tap. And that's in various countries as well. In Denmark, though, it was known as On the Rocks, which I think that probably would have worked pretty well too, right? I mean, because of what the movie is about, you know, it's not as specific to Spinal Tap, you know, the name of the band, but, you know, I think it would have worked as well too. Uh, but the working title of this movie was Rock and Roll Nightmare, <laughs> which that <laughs> kind of fits too, although it, it feels like it's a different movie if it's called that, but it does kind of fit, right? It was released March 2nd, 1984, uh, worldwide pretty much. It was produced by Spinal Tap Productions and Goldcrest Films International, and that was an uncredited production role for Goldcrest. And it was distributed by Embassy Pictures. To the surprise of no one, if you've ever seen it, it's rated R. The total runtime is one hour and 22 minutes. So it really does have kind of, you know, because basically this is a uh, it's a mock documentary, right? I think they call it a yeah. rockumentary. Right? So, rockumentary, yeah. 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 So it, I think that, that runtime does kind of, hold to that documentary aspect of it a little bit, you know, because usually your traditional documentaries aren't quite full feature length, you know, unless you get one of those crazy, like what was that smoke that like 20 hour documentary that did about nightmare on Elm street or something, you know, like unless it's something yeah. like that, you know, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. For, not quite to that extent. No, no. But for the most part, your, your average documentaries are probably going to be less than a, a full-length feature film. So I think the runtime pretty much nails it. Um, of course, on, on IMDb, it's listed as a comedy slash music. It was directed by Rob Reiner, and it was written by Christopher Guest, Michael McKeon, Harry Shearer, and, and Rob Reiner as well. He, he, was, uh, uh, he got a writing credit here. And uh, it stars, of course, Rob Reiner. Is in it himself. He he plays the director, Marty DeBerge. I think that's how you how you said it, right, Marty DeBerge. Um, yeah. Rob Reiner. I mean, the probably the one thing that you would most know him for was his role in All in the Family back in the seventies, right? I mean, he's he's gone on to tons of success, not only as a writer, but frankly, probably more as like a producer and a director and everything like that in the, in the later years. But mm. if you had to pick one thing that everybody everybody would recognize Rob Reiner from. It would be his role as Meathead and All in the Family back in the 70s. But it stars Christopher Guest as Nigel Tufnell, Harry Shearer as Derek Smalls, Michael McKeon as uh, David St. Hubbins. <laughs> Those are your main, that's the main core of, of the band Spinal Tap, right? There's two other guys. And we'll get into the whole drummer gag uh, <laughs> when we're talking throughout the movie. But um, it also has smaller roles for uh, Fran Drescher as uh, Bobby Fleckman. Uh, you know, she might be uh, best remembered uh, from her long TV role as the nanny. Bruno Kirby as Tommy Pachetta. These are a, a lot of recognizable faces. Ed, Ed Begley Jr. as he was the original drummer. John Stumpy Peppis and and the, even small bit roles from Dana Carvey and Billy Crystal. I mean, really small. Oh yeah, roles. Yeah, yeah. They play they play mimes, and I think they they only have like I think Billy Crystal says a line. Well, I guess Dana Carvey does too, but it's real brief because they're mimes, right? But they do have a slight speaking <laughs> role, which I guess that's part of the joke, right? A couple of minds fucking talk. But. Yeah, it was something like, hey, did you do the, the something or other? Yeah, I did something or other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that, don't they say something about true to mime life? Some some bullshit. There's some line like that. But it, yeah, anyways, lots of little smaller roles and stuff like that. So, you know, that, that Christopher Guest uh, group of people like Michael McKeon and even Harry Shearer and stuff, they've worked together on, on lots of other stuff after this as well. So it kind of became like a, 
a, a crew of people that did stuff together, so to speak. And, and I guess this is kind of where it was born here too. And, and especially too, if you watch some early like Saturday night live, you can get a lot of those vibes out of this as well. So you can probably tell mm-hmm. there's a lot of similar hands involved here, you know, from uh, say some of that early SNL and uh, some of, some of the stuff that he did afterwards. So there, there's a lot of, uh, recognizable stuff there. And, and and it was funny too. Almost every time Harry Shearer would say something, all I can hear are his voices from the Simpsons. Cause you know, he, he's the dude that plays principal Skinner and like a thousand other voices in uh, the Simpsons. So that's like, true. there was some of that where I'm just like, it's, it's fucking Skinner talking, you know, for, and then he would kind of go back into the, the British uh, accent or something, you know, but yeah, as far as background stuff, though, I mean, that's really, I mean, he, some of these guys, their careers afterwards speak for themselves. So, you know, you will not, we don't need to take a massive deep dive here. Uh, and I'm sure anybody that's listening to this, not only are you probably a fan of horror movies, but a lot, I'd say a lot of people that listen to us are probably fans of heavy metal and stuff. And Smoke, you could probably speak to the, the influences to heavy metal and everything like that, that this movie has and has had. Oh yeah. Just the, uh, the, like the whole bombastic aspect of the stage show and things going on there. And the, I mean, you're from anywhere from like Led Zeppelin down to like Iron Maiden and all that stuff. It's kind of a, I think they do a good job of encapsulating all of that, not just like picking, you know, the hard rock 70s era or, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to reference 70s and a lot of stuff that references 80s hard rock and metal. So they didn't just try and focus, I think, on one aspect of it. it there's a lot of things in here just that goes from those two decades, 70s to 80s, which you could get down with if you're a metal fan. I guess. You know, you could laugh at some of the in jokes that, you maybe wouldn't get if you weren't at least a music fan of some sort. Yeah. Wouldn't you say there's probably some, what, which bands would you probably pick out in your mind that they're probably most heavily influenced here? Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath, right? Probably Maiden more than anything. Is what yeah. Maiden, a little bit of a, a little bit of Black Sabbath in there, I guess. I mean, as far as the part of the stage show aspect and things going on there, you know, and, uh, but I guess just that whole late seventies, early eighties, British yeah, metal yeah. scene, right? Judas Priest, that, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the look of, uh, who is it that's, who is the one that's got the, uh, handlebar mustache and stuff? And, uh, the, uh, the more 70s looking guy kind of reminded me of like Black Sabbath 70s era. So, and the lead singer is a bit more of that 80s metal coming in. So I, I think, I don't know. I haven't read that deep into see what their influences were for each of the individuals. Yeah. But I thought it a good job of combining the 70s aesthetic and 80s together yeah, that was Harry, band. Harry Shearer's role was Derek Smalls he's the one that's got the Lemmy kind of look you know yeah 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 that's another one too but yeah right? very, very Motorhead. good job of like just combining 70s and 80s yeah it's it's a heavy influence and I've heard tons of jokes like about the drummer not necessarily the, the fact that what happens to the drummer throughout the movie but like sometimes where the drummer is kind of like the butt of the jokes and stuff like that you hear that and uh, that that yeah. turn the amp up to eleven type joke, you know, with rock and everything. So there's a lot from this, you know, that that came from it much later on. So I say it's heavily influenced in the in the heavy metal community for sure. Yeah, just that turn the amp, turning it up to eleven thing. Just yeah, I think I, I I'd heard that term before I even like I said I didn't see the movie until probably later in the eighty eighty eight or eighty nine maybe, but I'd heard that term before I'd ever seen it. Yeah. Just being a metal fan, and then when you see it, you're like, oh, where that's where it came, came from. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I bet you tons of metal bands have 11 written on their amps just yeah. for that joke. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Just, that, just that internal joke of that is just hilarious itself of like, you know, like just, just the, uh, I guess the, 
the science of it, you know, of like the, the, the 10, you know, like you, you could call anything, you could call it 20, you could call it 30. Yeah, who cares? Just the, just going through it is what matters, you know, and just the whole joke <laughs> of it being like, yeah, but this one goes to 11. <laughs> yeah, or he's just like, why don't you just raise 10 up, you know, make 10 louder. Yeah, 10 louder. This one like, goes to 11. <laughs> <and it> goes- <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The management of this drive-in theater is happy to announce you can enjoy your favorite form of movie entertainment regardless of rain. No longer will it be necessary to let rain spoil your fun. Now you can keep your windshield clear and dry with a drizzle guard. Simply attach it to your windshield, and in a jiffy, you're enjoying the movie without constantly running your windshield wipers. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So as usual, I hopped on over to audible.com. I typed in Spinal Tap, and wouldn't you know, nothing came up pretty much. There were some podcasts and shit. But there was something that was very similar to it that came up with a lot of things. So I thought this would be a good time, for, if nothing else, for a helpful word. Spinal stenosis. That came up a lot here. And such titles as Rehab Your Own Spinal Stenosis. Strategies to Improve the Health of Your Spine by Terry Knight, PT. That one's uh, almost four and a half hours. Well, this one's specifically for you, I guess. Stop Sciatica and Spinal Stenosis by Stan Shepard. That one's only an hour and a half, too. So, Donnie, you might be able to give that one a listen. No. Hey, man. Sciatica sucks. You know, it's not a laughing matter. It does matter. suck. It's not a laughing yeah. matter. If you had it, you wouldn't laugh. And you'd mm-hmm. also probably need to read Sciatica Nerve Pain, Symptoms Test and Treatments for Lumbar Radiolocal. <laughs> that one is by Nicholas Gallo and is uh, just uh, just over an hour long. So, yeah, not a laughing matter, old spinal stenosis or sciatica. Yeah, sciatica sucks. Yeah. Right, Smoke? Oh, yes. And that's been your health minute with the Spook Show gang. If any of that interests you, though, in a non-laughing, non-ironic way, to get your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. <laughs> Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audiobook on spinal stenosis. So I'm going to hop back <laughs> over to IMDb, and I'm going to click on plot summaries to see what pop up. And I would imagine it's a pretty popular flick. So there should be a few, and boy, am I right. I will go with the short one and then the long one for Donnie, just so he understands what the movie was about. Yeah, I appreciate it. Spinal Tap, one of England's loudest bands, is chronicled by film director Marty DeBerge on what proves to be a fateful tour. And this one was, this next one, this is the long one, was contributed by, uh, who was this? Halo 1K over on IMDb. The English heavy metal band Spinal Tap embarks on their biggest tour in the U.S. to date, to promote their new album, Smell the Glove. The tour is so big that it's attracted the attention of documentary filmmaker Marty DeBerge, who decides to make a movie about Spinal Tap's trek across America. But as the documentary goes along, Spinal Tap sees their audiences dwindle from selling out huge arenas to going to play at charity benefits and eventually playing private parties where no one pays attention to their music. Their new album drops, and it's decently reviewed by critics, but the record stores have a huge problem with the sexist overtones of the album's cover, causing a loss in sales. However, a series of incidents that constantly shoot themselves in the foot, whether it's a minuscule Stonehenge monument, a stage prop malfunction, or a simple two-word review of an album, (laughs) keep preventing the band from enjoying the success they deserve. But how long can they keep playing to 11? And will they find the audience that suits them? I think that's a pretty good uh, wrap-up of what this movie's about, right? It's just kind of about this band that kind of... 
it's hard to say that they were the way they're described that they were truly ever successful. It sounds like they just kind of were kind of successful and then rode that as far as they could. And then you see their downfall throughout this movie, right? They're just, it slowly gets sadder and sadder as it goes along. Yeah. Um, and their, their story goes back to 1950 something, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> At it's, least as far as it's something crazy. No. Like back to the early sixties or some shit where they were like a doo wop band or something. <laughs> now that that is actually kind of sort of I mean, I don't know if they, who they were had in mind, if they had anybody in particular in mind, but I mean Dio went back to that era of like fifties doo wop and rockabilly type stuff before he went into metal and then so it's Lemmy pretty much was in that same boat too. And also Hawkwind, I don't know if you're familiar with Hawkwind. This that Stonehenge moment <laughs> very much reminds me of the band Hawkwind, although a parody of like what Hawkwind would do. They had the space rock metal type stuff, and I think they even have a song called Stonehenge. Yeah. <laughs> I think all Lemmy those bands, was in that band and all that. So I think I all those doubt bands of a certain fucking like time period have something to do with Stonehenge, probably right. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, even Black Sabbath with uh, I forget not with Dio and not with Ozzy, but one of the vocalists after Dio, they even had they had a. a one with the Stonehenge on it. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing, obviously it's a comedy. So the whole thing is supposed to be like a documentary. Like, a, like we said before, they call it a rockumentary, but it's like a mockumentary type thing. Right. Um, so most yeah. of it's just kind of poking fun at the entire idea of this band and you know what they're going through and everything. So you kind of know just based on that, what, what this movie is about. So it's really just highlights that we need to talk about. Like the limo driver, when they get off the plane and he's holding a sign that says spinal pap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was the spinal tart when they were at the uh air the Air Force <laughs> the Air Force play, the, yeah. you know whatever that gate in the, in the Air Force terminal was they were yeah. playing. I think that guy called him Spinal Tart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did love the uh when they're talking about all the band name changes. I don't even remember I didn't write them down or anything, what all the band's names were and how they got into an argument with one other band. Like they were Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were called the regulars or something, and then <laughs> they had to change the originals. The, name. It was the, originals. the originals, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what... <laughs> there, there was a lot. And they of... changed their name to the, the whatever, and then we could have changed it back to the originals, but why bother that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just this whole unnecessary trip down what they were named and why they were named all these different things, and and throughout the history, there's even like black and white video of them, you know, back like. Ed Sullivan show type shit, you know, of them like a doo-wop band or something in the sixties. Uh, but I love the 60s go- psychedelic band. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. like, uh, yeah, even like, the late uh, 60s. strawberry alarm clock type, type Alexa psychedelic <laughs> band. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do love the running joke throughout though, with the drummer, how all the drummers died in weird ways. <laughs> what was the, what was the original one? Like he, he, he was oh, it's he was in his garden, right? He yeah, died, it was a, yeah. It was, He's, it was an odd gardening accident, and then the police were like, "Well, it was best left unsolved." <laughs> <laughs> well, they felt it was best left unsolved, and then one of them spontaneously combusted, which again happened later, right? Yeah, so yeah. another one. <laughs> well, that yeah, that becomes a thing, like, and then they're trying to justify. Well, it happens a lot. You just don't hear about it. <laughs> there was nothing left. It was a green spot on his on his uh, drummer on the stool on his chair. Yeah, <laughs> the guy that's the uh, like the record company executive, and this is once again the the silly names and shit that some of the characters in this movie have. His name is Sir Dennis Eaton Hogg. <laughs> <laughs> they not only said that one out loud, but they put like the words on the bottom. You know how they put like the lower third. Here's the guy's name on it when he you know when he walks into the film or whatever. 
Sir Dennis Eaton Hogg. <laughs> How about the uh, album covers when they're like, well, first you put out the album Intra- Intravenous de Milo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's like a Venus it's- de Milo statue with like an IV in her arm or so. Or, well, I guess she didn't have an arm, right? <clears throat> <laughs> the The album Shark Sandwich. Yeah, and then the review was like, here's the two-word review. It just said shit sandwich. Yeah. You can't even bump. <laughs> they can't say that, can <laughs> But in this movie, they're touring the album Smell the Glove, <laughs> which is another awesome album title. But like when they describe, you never, now you never actually see the album cover that has. Of Smell I, would, the Glove, I right? wish they would have had, I wanted to see the album art, like a prototype. Like here's the prototype as they're yeah. describing it. And they come back later with all you ever see is like what the record company makes basically is the black album, right? <laughs> Which by the yeah. way, did Metallica get the black album just from this? I mean, they, I mean, I I really, it seems. yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And that's hilarious. You know, that's hilarious if true, but like you have to think, but that's all you ever see of smell the glove is it's basically like the blacked out album version. So you never see it, but they describe it right of somebody wearing a glove and then yeah, and shove it, it in like a, like a half na- was it a half naked lady's face, yeah. like shove it in her face and smell it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Smell the- I guess the, the, <laughs> the it's supposed to be like you just, I just put this up your ass or something and now smell it, <laughs> something like that, right? Well, well originally it, it, you should have seen what the guys wanted it. there. Let me tell you, it wasn't a glove. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they're describing it, or later the manager or whatever, <laughs> it's a friend dresser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything, but this is highly offensive. <laughs> now that it's out there, I'm just going to say. Uh, a little bit later on when Nigel is playing a, a song, like it's, he's playing like a sad song on the piano. And then he's talking about like his, uh, his inspiration and everything like that. And what this, what, how he came up with a song and everything. And then at the end he's, Oh, by the way, that one's called lick my love pump. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like how he's describing what it sounded like. It's kind of like uh Bach and, uh, Mozart, or no, who was it? He he put the two words together. Was it Bach and forget Bo- now who it was? Yeah, he just words yeah, together. It's, uh, like, it's like Bozart or whatever the hell he says. Bozart. Anyway. <laughs> How about when they're going through the airport check and Derek Smalls keeps walking through and 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 the thing is going off and he's he keeps taking stuff out of his pocket, takes his jacket off and everything. <laughs> and then it turns out the whole time. Yeah, it turns out he's just got a cucumber in his pants. <laughs> Wrapped in aluminum foil. Yeah. <laughs> I guess next time you'll leave the aluminum foil on. Yeah, like that. That was the part of the joke. Like I was like, "What?" Because it's one thing if okay, you're trying to act like you got a you know big package, so to speak. So you stick a cucumber down there. Well, how would you wrap it in tinfoil? <laughs> well, sure I think that was fresh. benefit of the entire joke of the alarm going off because it wouldn't have gone yeah. off if it Obviously, was just a cucumber. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that was the only way they could. Still, though, that, to write that, it. that's hilarious. Yeah. Like, why the hell would you put it in? <laughs> I just want to keep it fresh. <laughs> you know, we've talked we've talked a couple of times about the, uh, you know, the, turning the amps up to 11, but I really love that scene where they got lost backstage in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that shit where they finally find, like, a janitor or something down in the bowels of the joint, and it's like, if you go up here, take a right, take another right. If you see this, you go too far, whatever, right? These convoluted directions. And then they, all right, rock and roll. And then they walk away and they turn around and they're right back in front of them again. (laughs) 
you know, I don't, I don't, I've never, yeah, I'm not a musician. I've never played any event like that, but I would assume that that's probably happened plenty of times. And why the joke's in there of these <laughs> oh, no. yeah. and things where they're trying to get to the stage or whatever, through all the cables and through all the whatever. I, I would, I would feel pretty certain that's probably happened. I think I read that like, like a uh, wasp, the lead singer and the manager like went to go see this and they didn't laugh through the entire movie <laughs> because they said that just about all the stuff that happened to them specifically though, <laughs> <laughs> the getting uh, lost uh, on the way to the the stage. Yeah, oh, oh, Blackie Lawless. This is just a a, a day that ends with why. This is every day, so this well, isn't this isn't funny. You know. <laughs> another, another specific thing for them would be the album art and names and all that stuff because uh, their first single and I have it on vinyl was called "Fuck Like a Beast" or "Animal Fuck Like a Beast" and it had Blackie uh, like a, a close up of Blackie Lawless's crotch area. With a cod piece and a saw blade attached to the cod piece. Why the hell not? Uh, they had some problems with the uh, record companies with that one. Hey, you think? <laughs> also, the whole Kmart, whatever it was, was it Walmart they mentioned? I don't remember if Walmart was a thing back then. I guess it was. No, they but... said something about Kmart. Yeah, about yeah, Kmart. Kmart and Sears. Sears, yeah. yeah. Walmart, too, back then. I remember they wouldn't carry certain album art covers or even certain albums even to this day I was about to there's say a horror movie that recently came out called satanic panic they wouldn't release it under that title they just called it panic yeah. they, if you if they, you know <laughs> to to get it in the stores the filmmakers or whatever the distributors had to change the name from walmart to panic i was about to say yeah i'm pretty sure walmart still here in the u.s at least they still do that shit like yeah. since yep. they have censored albums and uh album covers and movies and all that stuff yeah i'm pretty sure they still do that but anyways, yeah. What, what about not, the one scene where Nigel does his guitar solo and he's, and he's got a violin sitting there and it's, he doesn't play the violin. He just takes the violin and like sort of strums it on the guitar. <laughs> yeah. And he's noted for his uh, guitar solos. And it's just... <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's a direct reference to uh, uh, Zeppelin. Yeah, just doing random... Yeah. Well, I, like that. yeah, yeah. I think Jimmy Page used to take uh, violin bows and play the guitar. Yeah, we we mentioned Stonehenge earlier. <laughs> now <laughs> they come up with this idea to put Stonehenge, like a replica of Stonehenge, on the stage, and he's drawing it on a <laughs> napkin, and he writes eighteen dash dash like inches. So clearly, uh, he doesn't know what the dash dash, you know, whatever they call that, right? He doesn't know what the mark for inches is. Maybe he thinks that's feet. I don't know. <laughs> he writes 18 inches. So that lady's like, yeah, uh, she, she's got this model size thing there, and she's showing the manager, I think Ian, right? Yeah. Well, this is yeah. it. This, so the, the the real one, it'll actually have these curves and all these details, right? Well, what do you mean the real one? Uh, you know, the actual size one. <laughs> no, this is it. What the hell? <laughs> So they have to use an 18-inch tall Stonehenge. <laughs> and they have the, the uh, dwarves, quote-unquote dwarves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They just have them kind of dance around it as they're playing like a jig music or something like that. <laughs> what the fuck, man? I love afterwards, though, when they're arguing about this whole thing, and then it eventually leads to Ian, their manager, quitting. And uh, then Derek, after he leaves, Derek asks, so are we playing Stonehenge tomorrow? No, we're not playing fucking Stonehenge. <laughs> uh, then, then basically have another falling out right after that because there's a division between uh, 
Oh Lord, I'm blanking on uh, Michael McKean's uh, character, David Saint Hubbins. He has a like throughout the entire movie. He has like his uh, wife or his girlfriend or whatever hanging out. So it's kind of the Yoko Ono kind of thing, right? Like she's oh, geez, yeah. she's there uh, kind of meddling and everything, and they kind of have a falling out. So uh, Nigel Nigel quits the band, and then eventually like they they play a couple of like sad. Uh, gigs and then Ni- Nigel shows back up because their song Sex Farm <laughs> is charting in Japan. So they decide, or he comes back to say, like, hey, you know, we're doing well over there. Let's go play some gigs in Japan. <clears throat> so essentially, they get back together. Like, there's this big reunion moment on the stage and everything. So now Spinal Tap is back together. <laughs> but meanwhile, during this big concert, I think the one they play in Japan, right? This is kind of like spliced together at the end. Mick, the drummer, he just fucking spontaneously, <laughs> spontaneously explodes on the on the stage, and then they, he's immediately replaced. Like, boom! There's another. There's the another drummer. Team. Yeah, <laughs> it just cuts to them in Japan with another drummer. Uh, that's pretty much it, though. That's the end of the movie. And then throughout the credits, uh, there's more interviews. It's kind of it's not necessarily like bloopers or anything like that. It's more like let's take these interviews that we had earlier that we showed you and kind of show other quotes from those same, same interview kind of thing. I did like uh, at one point when they, when they talked to Mick and uh, they asked him, you know, he's the drummer that spontaneously explodes at the end. They asked him, like, what would you do if you weren't in Spinal Tap? You know, you weren't in the band. He said, well, if I still had the sex and drugs, I could probably still do without the rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the best, the best lines is save for the credits. So. There you go. This was Spinal Tap. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think my, out of those like post credit interviews, I think my favorite one is a. I mean, I, you know, I could have been a seller of, of some things, you know, like 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 oh, yeah. like uh, uh, sir. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he goes through a whole scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like what the hey, hell? Ask me, ask me a question, and then he says it, and then he plays off of it. Yeah, <laughs> it goes on. It goes on for way too long. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there, you know, that's the other thing too. Like this has a. I, I mean, I know it's not a British comedy, right? Although it's a comedy. Mm-hmm where they're making fun of like British rockers and stuff, but it really does that dry sense of humor kind of thing does have like a, a British comedy feel to it throughout this entire movie. Like I think they nailed that for lack of a better comparison, Monty Python type of feel in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, you know, we'll start there with our, uh, our comments and our, our star ratings and, and I'll go first since, you know, I was the one that won the wheel spin, so to speak on this one. Dude, for what this is, and, and I mean, it's, and it's it is, it's not one of those comedies that's probably for everybody. But if you're into that snarky kind of dry humor type stuff, and there is a good mix of other over the top type gags too. But you know, a lot of it to me is like that subtle kind of humor, you know, dry lines that they just kind of throw out there that you kind of have to catch, you know. So it is a, it's not as heavy handed as some like it's not like a frat comedy type shit, you know. But like I think it's a more dry subtle type of comedy that's done really well. So, you know, with all those things in mind, I mean, I love this movie. And for what it means, you know, as a heavy metal fan and, uh, you know, the stuff that we talked about earlier, I'm going to go four stars on this one on my, I think that weighs well on my Colt Corner scale. So, Donnie, what'd you think of it? Oh, man, you know, I'm a, I'm actually on a little different uh, side of it. Um, yeah, I I remember watching it in, in uh, college for the first time. Uh, <laughs> I I remember it being like so much funnier then, and it's not that I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't. It wasn't fun. It was. It, it's still a fun watch, uh, but 
uh, yeah, I'm not as high on it as as you are. It's still, yeah, I get that it's a it, it's a classic. It's still a funny movie. Uh, I'm going three stars. So you're not as high on it this time as you were last time, which means you were probably just more high. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Right. Yep. That's well, probably like Well, what do you think? Uh, I think I'm going to roll a little bit closer to Josh on this one. Uh, I'm going to go four. It's just such a fun movie to, to sit there and watch. And then this is one of those movies that you could watch, you know, 20 times and then still catch things. Yeah that you didn't realize the first handful of times there. Probably some, some other subtle lines and some shit in the background type stuff. Yeah. There's probably always something <laughs> new to find. In this yeah. Like, like for instance, uh, when, when they were in the airport, I read this, uh, earlier was, uh, when they were in the airport, uh, going through and doing the whole scene with the, uh, cucumber, <laughs> uh, you can hear the, uh, airport announcements. That's all of the actors without their accents. <laughs> <laughs> Smoke, what'd you, what'd you think? Even, even though I've only seen it twice now, which is weird, just that, you know, being a huge music fan and metal fan and all that, I've only seen it twice. But it's because I think, like Will was saying earlier, you see it over and over again in various spots and places yeah. and things. Like, you know, here or there are clips played here, or you see it on YouTube. It's like, oh, let me go watch this thing again, the up to 11 scene or whatever. And all these various bits you've seen over and over again. I felt like I've seen it four or five times. But really, like, when I think about it, I just, just sit down, watch it at the beginning and end. This was really. Second time, all right. Third, if you know, if you were to add up all the times, I've probably seen it over the course of the years. <laughs> all those bits and pieces. Maybe you could say I've seen it three times. <laughs> but no, it is it is a great movie. And uh, you know, being a metal fan and being a music fan, and you you get the humor of uh, of where where they're coming from with it all. You know, whether you're a musician or whether you're just a fan of the music, uh, it's enjoyable either way. So uh, yeah, I can't go any lower. I think the four stars as well. Yeah, and e- even if you just take out the comedy aspect of it and the subject matter, you know, the, the metal type stuff and all that, just the the way they made the movie, I think they nailed the documentary aesthetic, right? Like, oh, yeah. They, yeah. Def- they definitely did their homework on just, like, nailing that late 70s, early 80s documentary film the way they made them. Yeah, there we go. That's uh, our latest cult corner. This is Spinal Tap. I'm glad it, you know, Random Will, Fate, landed us here. I'm glad we did because I think we all enjoyed it. So we have a consensus rating overall, even with Donnie's three stars, bringing it down a nudge. We all four gave it three and three quarter stars. So like we said off the top, if you haven't watched it, go check it out. I, it's, I think without question with our rating there, you can tell it's worth at least one watch for sure. If, uh, if you're a comedy, if you're a comedy guy or, or gal, whatever, if you love comedies, this is one you should check out if you have not up to this point. So we don't do all the usual bits that we do here as far as, uh, the gore score and all that mess because frankly this this movie doesn't fit that criteria. Donnie, where's the cult connections? Come out and play. Well, all right, ready to play. Question is, is you, are you? <laughs> oh well, I don't know about that. You know what? Yeah. You just made it uncomfortable. Yeah, we'll I'm going to cut that off. Oh yeah. yeah. So um, anyway. Uh, Cast and crew, no crew connections at all. Uh, we do have two cast uh, connections. So uh, you mentioned um, Sir Dennis Eaton Hogg. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was also, uh, so that's uh, Patrick McNee. Uh, he was, he dates back to uh, when we covered The Howling. Huh. And um, there was, uh, <laughs> you know, Mick, the uh, drummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, his girlfriend uh, was played by Brink Stevens. And uh, you want to, Josh, you want to take a guess 
on uh, what she dates back to. God, I can only imagine. Is it Home it's, Sweet Home or some shit? What is it? <laughs> Here's a screen. It's a manual <laughs> four. God, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She of is, all the, yeah, yeah. Just the just the irony of that for a moment. Here, Bree Stevens is a screen queen that's been in a ton of horror movies. Yet our one connection to her is a manual four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. I'm ashamed yep. at what we have done. <laughs> As, well, yeah, that, as you should be. Emmanuel yeah. Ford. Yeah, she fault. was uh, Mick, Sh- Mick Shrimpton's girlfriend here in uh, <laughs> Spinal Tap. Poor old Mick Shrimpton. Spontaneous combustion. Well, he <laughs> learned of the connection to Emmanuel Ford. He said, fuck it. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> All right, well, uh, that that's it for uh, this week. That's it for the latest Colt Corner. We'll revisit this probably. It'll probably be at least in the month of November before we get back to it because... Uh, we are now officially entering spooky season. We're full on in from this point forward because starting next week, we're, I know it's not October yet. It's only September 25th, but we, we were itching. We were itching to get our October, uh, fill. So we decided to go ahead and start it a week early with a nightmare on Elm street. The original from 1984, Wes Craven's classic, believe it or not, the first time Freddie will appear on this podcast. Other than just, I know. Yeah, that's, uh, it's not the first time for Robert England. No. But it will be the first time for Freddie, and we'll get into that. I know Donnie will catch those connections for sure. Straight up. Uh, yeah. But I'll read you the, the, the synopsis over on IMDb. Teenager Nancy Thompson must uncover the dark truth concealed by her parents after she and her friends become targets of the spirit of a serial killer with a bladed glove in their dreams, in which if they die, it kills them in real life. So yeah, just know we're not going to go through everything that we're talking about, you know, in the month of October. But just know this is going to be a big, big kickoff. I guess that's it, boys. So uh, next week, Freddie enters our dreams. Are you ready, Will? Oh yeah. Well, there you go. So that's going to be awesome. Yeah. Are you ready for uh, Freddie to penetrate yeah. your dreams? All right. Oh, that's wait. enough. I'm sure Freddie <laughs> will have enough jokes for us next week. So for Don, for Donnie. Will, Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show, and we will talk to you next week as we kick off quote-unquote spooky season here on the Spook Show with A Nightmare on Elm Street. As you leave the theater, folks, please be careful. Don't let this happen to your car. Be sure to remove the speaker before you leave. If you should accidentally pull a speaker loose, please turn it in at our snack bar or box office. Thank you.